0: tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock up the road in St. Michael's Theatre here in New Ross. The summer school is hosting an event that is looking into and examining the economy of the southeast. And one of the contributors is my next guest, Jim Burrigan. He is the CEO at Tierlawn. Tierlawn is one of the biggest companies in the state, over 2,000 employees. Sales revenue of a staggering three billion quid. On the one hand, they've been around for years. On the other, they're relatively new. So, Jim, you're very welcome to the show. You're going to have to go back in Time a little bit and repeat some of the conversations you had with colleagues and staff when this whole change was in train and explain to people at home what is Tierlón and how is it different from Glombia.
1: Yeah, so so Tierlón today is uh, is a one hundred percent farmer owned uh, co op. Uh, it's the largest farmer owned co op in the country. It has revenues of three billion euros. Uh, we process 3.2 billion litres of milk, which is about 36% of the Irish milk pool, uh, and we export over 400,000 tonnes of dairy products to over 100 countries. Um, how it came about is, is slightly complex, uh, but but the simple version is that a Glenbia PLC and Glenbia Co-op owned a joint venture called Glenbia Ireland, uh, mm-hmm. which was effectively the Irish operations. Uh, and the co-op bought out the 40% owned by the PLC uh, and from the 1st of April 2022 we became an independent uh, co-op uh, and in August of 2022 we had to change our name to Tier Lawn because Glenbia owned uh, the original name. So we're now Tier Lawn and, and very happy to be back as a, as a co-op. And um, in terms of the messaging, uh, I think the main message was that that we wanted an, uh, to become a, a co-op of the future. Uh, and we were adamant with, with people who said to us, so you going back to a co-op. Well, that's what yeah.
0: it, it sounds like kind of it's just, yeah. you're describing maybe the, the, the origin of the of the original sure. company,
1: maybe. Yeah, well, like the co-ops originally were formed back at the turn of the century, you know, and there was a small co-op in every village in yeah. in, in Kilkenny and, and all the counties around. Um, uh, but then we were a co-op until 1988. Um, and at that time, we, we spun out uh, the operations into the PLC, you know, and from 1988 over a 34-year period, um, we created about two billion uh, for our farmers. So there's about one billion sitting in our our uh, balance sheet today, uh, but another billion has been transferred out uh, to our farmers, and they hold that in in, in, sh- in mainly in in PLC shares. Um, so it was a great success story, actually. But I'm personally really delighted that we are a co-op now, um, and we have some great opportunities. As I said, we we want to become the co-op of the future. We all have worked in a PLC uh, for, for many, many years. So we have great governance, great focus on strategy and a great management team. And we've 2,300 employees, uh, majority of them in Ireland. Um, and uh, we will keep and maintain and drive all the standards that you have in a modern uh, progressive organisation. Um, and that was the message to our staff, you know, that, that, that you know, this is a great thing. But the, the other uh, element that's very important is that, that a, a co-op is a great model today because uh, organisations uh, and this came really from the US and from Wall Street but organisations have a much much higher level of accountability now yeah. and there is no higher I can tell you there is no higher accountability uh, than exists within a co-op because uh, you know I was at the Pilltown show in South Kilkenny on, on Saturday and a man raised with me about the, the, the price of a plastic cover for a silage pit you know so so we are actually accountable when we walk out on the street when we go to a match to, to you know to any event locally mm. and that's an incredible level of accountability accountability. It brings its pressure, but it's a great model, you know, for the community, uh, for the shareholders that we serve uh, and for the customers that we serve. So this it,
0: it is the, the old Milton Friedman kind of shareholder model. It's been replaced, as you said, this is the stakeholder model, isn't Correct. it?
1: Correct. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it, I have been challenged that it creates incredible amount of pressure. Um, and I suppose it does, you know, for our board members and for our management. Um, but you know, over time we learn to live, uh, you know, in the community. Uh, myself, I came from a farm, so so I understand farming very, very well. Uh, but you know, we roll with the punches every yeah. day. But it's, I think it's a great model to be.
0: And what honest, are those yeah. punches? What are the challenges then you face? Yeah. Well,
1: at the moment, uh, you know, the price of milk is always the punch. You know, so so <laughs> I was asked before about the comparison between a PLC and and a co-op. Um, and, you know, in a PLC, it's all around profit, uh, earnings per share, and, and growth in earnings per share drives the value of the share. Mm. And, and everybody wants an appreciation increase. And the other element is dividend. Uh, whereas in a co-op, it's all about the price of, uh, of that we pay our farmers for their raw materials, plus a dividend. The dividend is a small part of that. So it's all about uh, milk price and grain price to our farmers. And that's absolutely legitimate model. Um, but we set the price for, for milk, for example, we set the price on the month. You know, so and there's a league, and if we're if we're high up in the league, well then we're great. If we're if we're low down in the league, we'll be told about it straight away. So that's the pressure that drives you know a huge huge focus on uh, efficiency uh, and on on value creation. You know, mm-hmm. and to make sure that we get the most out of of the liter of milk, and that we you know in those hundred markets across the world that we do the best we can, and that we we drive R and D and create new offerings and excite our customers, and and that we have brilliant customer service. So it's all of that, but it's yeah. it's close in contact with our shareholders and our customers. <laughs> And
0: and you wouldn't yeah. have done all of this if there weren't opportunities either for growth. So I mean, where 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 are those opportunities? Yeah, well,
1: uh, well, first of all, food is is a staple, and and uh, you know there are, are lots of of developments within the food category. So there's you know there's over nine hundred million tons of dairy in the world, and it's increasing by about one and a half percent per annum in both both uh, production and and demand. So so that's a huge bedrock for us. Uh, the, the development within dairy is about functional foods really and, mm. and zoning in on what people people need and what will help people. So the latest example for ourselves here in Ireland is under the Avamore brand, we have produced a fibre plus milk, uh, which has fibre in it, has chicory in it. Uh, and if you drink it, lasts a 250 minute glass, it's the equivalent of eating an apple. Um, and about 80% of the people of Ireland uh, uh, have inadequate amount of uh, fibre every day. Mm. Uh, so you know that's just an example we do uh, lactose free milk we do slimline milk uh, we do high protein milks which are very good for, for people like myself of a particular age or indeed for you know the Tommy Welch's or, the, or uh, all the, the hurlers and, and sports people uh, who want to build up muscle and retain muscle and recover mm. after training so we have a, a very strong connection with the sporting community on, on that protein milk and and that uh, 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 is very very popular so it's just focusing in on what people's needs are and we will continue yeah. to do that and we, we spend a lot of money on R&D for
0: that. I, your shareholders, then, as it were, uh, the 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 farmers that are so important to the organisation. How nervous are they about? Uh, is the state of flux the right way to describe it? That they find kind of the industry in and and yeah. kind of national debates about herd sizes, sure. and methane yeah. emissions, yeah. and all
1: of that. Yeah, I know absolutely. It's a very uncertain time. In fact, the current year is a very very difficult year for farmers because the weather, whether it's climatic oh, yeah. or otherwise, you know, we've had had a, a drought. Uh, we've had some of the wettest months in in, in history uh, they're trying to get their harvest at the moment so it's been incredibly difficult uh, on the other side of it um, uh, dairy markets and grain markets have, have come back off the highs of last year uh, so at the moment they're probably uh, producing milk at, at somewhat below uh, production cost um, uh, and then we have the whole sustainability debate and, and uh, you know as you would expect, I, I, I am very much at the centre of this in the organisation. I'm spending about 50% of my time on this topic at the moment, trying mm. to understand what the future looks like. Um, and, you know, it, it's very easy to be critical, but the, the choreography and the sequencing of policy development has has really put our farmers into a very difficult place. Uh, and we have huge responsibility, so I'm not for a second uh, saying that we're not focused on this and, and working very hard to deliver it. But, uh, you know, we've had the negative policies, you know, about uh, carbon reduction for, for good reason. So carbon reduction, uh, the nitrates uh, and and the uncertainty around uh, how much uh, nitrogen our farmers are, are permitted to use, our output. Um, but my belief is that in the next three or four years uh, the, the society will see that farmers are playing a very, very central role in the production of renewable energy. Mm. Uh, and there are significant opportunities for farmers to participate in this. So for example if you take our biofuel industry um, the Minister has set a target of 5.7 terawatts of, of energy to come from anaerobic digestion yes. and, and very little of that in Ireland at the moment. But the inputs are It's kind of
0: cost prohibitive for a while. was it? The, Well
1: it, it, it needs to be the supported. Mat, the maths didn't work out. No, but it, uh, but in most countries I think it is supported yeah. or has been supported. But like the inputs are uh, uh, slurry uh, waste food uh, and biomass. So, the biomass has to be grown on farm. There's a projection there of 110,000 hectares of land to be used to grow uh, uh, crops for for biofuels. Uh, the utilization of soil. What slurry. crop are you growing? Um, uh, well, grass is the basic one, but okay. then there are other ones that can give or give higher energy energy types that are not really in Ireland okay. uh, at the moment. Um, but there's a whole infrastructure around that. Uh, solar panels at the moment, you know, there's a, a decent package now from, from the government since the beginning of this year. Uh, and we're seeing, a, you know, a very big uh, explosion really in demand for solar panels on, on farm sheds, for example. And also then there will be the development of, of solar farms, but it'll be on land. So the ownership of the land uh, and the diversification of land usage over the next number of years playing a very, very central role in in, um, in renewable energy mm. is going to be a, a very significant contribution by our farmers. While at the same time, we have to push for for best practice uh, activities on farm and best practice uh, methods uh, that will reduce carbon uh, and that will result in our water quality being improved. So, so there is that huge debate. Uh, if I could, there's one item just to mention, yeah. and that is that there's only 16,000 dairy farmers in, in the country. You know, there's 130,000 beef farmers and, and there's also then a, a, a sizable number of, da- of, of, uh, of grain farmers. Um, and uh, as we dig into this uh, more scientifically, uh, we currently believe, and this will sound defensive, but I don't believe it is, uh, that the, the percentage of farmers... Uh, impacting on water quality on certain catchments is incredibly low. Like there's one catchment, at the Slaney River, that we're looking at at the moment. There's seven thousand five hundred farmers on the Slaney River, and the, w- the water quality isn't isn't good enough. Um, but there's only six percent of the farmers are dairy farmers, and at the same time, dairy is being called out as you know as the big yeah. problem here. So so we are trying to be as scientific as we possibly can. Is, um, is
0: that not an argument that dairy is the big problem? If only six percent of farmers on 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 the riverbank or dairy farmers and yet the water quality is poor no
1: i think the argument is that 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 all types of farming uh, are are causing the issue rather than just uh, dairy on its own so all the tillage yeah. and dry stock as well as could be contributing as well and 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 that hasn't been you know scientifically proven i suppose or, or examined mm. so we're really working on the science of that and to understand you know what the, the real root causes are here um so uh, the other element is that that you know in this very very broad debate about about you know whether it's dairy or beef or or, or, or tillage or what um or whether you cap the national herd uh, yeah like we, it, 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 we we actually lost an industry we had a beet industry here and and uh, you know I grew up on a, on it it was it was one of the best crops one of the best enterprises mm-hmm. and when did the, you know the 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 debate started about losing it uh, people focused on who was going to get the compensation and ever since you know, people are lamenting the fact that there could have been a decent beet industry in Ireland and could have been maintained. Now, we need to be very, very careful then that we don't talk down what is our number one industry, uh, that we lose more than we should and that scientifically we haven't proven what the, what the balance of our, our, our outputs uh, and our stocking rates can be versus uh, good ent- good environment. Yeah. And we are absolutely, in long we are absolutely focused on that at the moment to see what is the right uh, scientific level uh, that we can have of the, of the various enterprises and have clean water. And we're totally focused on yeah. clean water do, as well.
0: Do, do, do you worry though and do your members worry as well that, um, you know, for people who are not, uh, you know, from a farming background and not involved in the industry yep. at yep. all, yep. The, 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 the attraction of the simple message, you know, look at our agricultural emissions, sure. look yep. at the expansion of the dairy herd since uh, quotas were lifted. Uh, uh, ergo, Call the national herd call, uh, put sure, a cap on it yeah. or cull some of it yeah. that automatically comes down full stop that's the end of the argument yeah, but there, there's
1: an attraction it, to that yeah, of course there is and you know and I would ask people to think you know deeply about this and you know as we go here it's the number one industry Um, the, the other, other part is the, the economics and the fabric of, of rural Ireland you know which is a significant part of the country uh, so so last year for example and we're 36% of, 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 of the, the milk pool we uh, paid out 2 billion euros last year to to rural families, to 5,000 rural families, mm. the economic impact of that as as judged by uh, Ernst & Young was 5.5 billion. Um, so, you know, if, if if it's easy to do things with a stroke of a pen, you know, or, or a thought, uh, but we, we can't afford to lose that, you know, because this is one of our oldest, most... Um, I was going to say sustainable, but it is one of our oldest and most sustained industries here. Yeah, uh, you know we're we're building a new uh, cheese facility down in in uh, in uh, Bellevue Harbour in in in, in South Kilkenny, um, and uh, you know that that factory will be there for the next fifty to seventy years, um, and it will churn out one hundred and fifty million a year to the farm families of that region. Uh, and for us to easily lose that mm. uh, is, you know, would, I think would be a mistake. So we're very, very focused on the scientific e- equilibrium between food output and uh, and having good environmental practices and, and good results in the environment. And as a as a professional organisation with with very much, you know, a strong social uh, conscience, uh, we're working really hard on that. Jim Bergin, the CEO at Teardown. Jim, thanks a
0: million for joining us. Thank you.
1: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Coddie. With Nissan. Weekdays from 4. On News Talk.